Hello, everyone. This, really, this column is not helpful for those of you who are sitting behind it. Christopher. <laughs> I'm so happy to see um, Becky and Biebs here and Jose and Diana because I was like so, so, so excited to see them. And I, was, I just realized, you know what? I think it's because I officiated both your weddings. There's like this special bond because we spent a lot of time in premarital counseling and, you know, had deep discussions about, you know, very personal things. And maybe that's why, but I was just so overjoyed that here on the last Sunday of worship together that they are here. Just so, so, so grateful for just looking around. And when we were singing that song, um, you know, I live to worship you. I live to worship you, to worship you. I live... I mean, it's an oldie. It's a, it's a song that we've sung before. But as I was just, I was getting all teary eyed and I just felt like, you know, church, you guys, this is family. And, you know, on this day, it's so special. I don't know. I'm getting all sentimental, but it's just so special to worship with my church family together and, and to be able to sing together that, you know, why we live, we live to worship you. And I was wondering how many of us can genuinely say that? Why do you live? Why, why do you live? Why are you alive? And to be able to say, to worship you, I live, I live, I live to worship you. I mean, how awesome and amazing and beautiful is that? I was just, yeah, I'm getting all sappy, maybe getting older and such. But as you know, today is the last Sunday, um, official kind of regular worship um, service together for 2019. Um, and it is a perfect time then to think about our past. Um, Colin's prayer was just dead on on the things that I wanted to talk about. It's a really good time to reflect and think about our past of 2019, as well as really looking ahead to our future and the next year of 2020. Um, and I have this confession to make. Um, how many of you guys still do the New Year resolutions and things? Yeah, you have. Well, I, you don't call it New Year resolutions anymore, um, but maybe goals right? Goals. Do you guys have goals for the 2020, right? Goals. Uh, you don't want to just say New Year resolutions anymore. Goals, right? Well, mine is the same every year. Every year is that I'm going to exercise, that I'm going to get fit, and I'm going to exercise. I understand that I'm not grossly obese or anything. I understand that. But you also have to understand that climbing one flight of stairs has me doubled over, huffing and puffing. That's how hard it is. That's how much I don't exercise. Um, and I have a problem. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, maybe if I confess it all to y'all, it'll keep me accountable. But I'm one of those people. <laughs> He's like, nah. <laughs> I'm one of those people that will like get suckered into buying things. I mean, the motive, the motivation and the motives are pure and good. The follow through just doesn't happen. So I'm one of those suckers that will, um, and I want to start out well. And so then I will try to, uh, exercise, but then, you know, then it fizzles or I end up not doing it. So for instance, you know, I've had a treadmill for years and years and years. And I don't really uh, use it a lot. But I don't want to get rid of it. It takes up a lot of room. But I never wanted to get rid of it because, you know, what if that one day I get motivated to do it and it's not there? So I, I would never let Hun get rid of it. And my one great reason for never getting rid of it, I always said, was because Hun's mom comes to visit us from Korea, like, you know, often. And she likes to walk on the treadmill. So I was like... 
for your mom. Let's keep it for your mom when she comes to visit us once every five years or something, you know. But we finally got rid of it because I was saying after I tore my ACL and I had the ACL surgery, I said, "Oh, the the impact of of you know running and jogging is too much. It's jarring on my knee. I need an elliptical machine." Yeah, that's what I need. Elliptical is way better because it doesn't, you know, put any pressure on my knee. So Hoon brings home an elliptical machine and actually sets it up in our master bedroom. It's right next to my bed. I could literally roll out of bed, fall on top onto the elliptical and, and work out if I wanted to. Literally, it's next to my bed where I have to go like this, you know. Um, and we've had it now for how long? Two years, honey? Um, I think I've been on it once or twice, right? So this elliptical. And now I'm thinking, it's not cardio I need. What I need is to work out some muscles. I need to build mass, osteoporosis. I'm getting old. I'm almost 50. I'm like, I I need muscle, but I don't want to buy weights. So I said, what I need is a rowing machine. Yes, I need a rowing machine. Emma and Maddie have been, they know. It's in my Amazon shopping cart, and it's been there for a couple weeks, couple months, right? All I need to do is click purchase. It's in the Amazon shopping cart. I just need to hit purchase, done. It'll be delivered, right? Prime. It'll be delivered in two days. But I'm loath to do it because my track record hasn't been very good. You know, if I get this rowing machine, who's to say I'm actually going to row? And it's not even just that. It's the other things too, you know? Instead of for exercising, um, you know, weights and things like that, I decided, well, I don't want to bulk up and use those weights. And they've been advertising those bands, what are those things called? Those, those exercise resistance bands, resistance bands. So I ordered a whole bunch of resistance bands in different colors and different, uh, you know, strengths, right? I've yet to open the package. It's been in my house for months now, right? You guys know, you do this too, right? So I have that. And then my mother-in-law in Korea told me about this fantastic wheat grass powder. Have you heard about this? Wheat grass powder, organic, look it up. And you mix it with water and you drink it every day, a full glass. And it's, it's powder and it looks like grass that's been all smashed up and made into powder. It smells like grass too. It's wheat grass. Um, and I bought a, you know, big thing of that also and I have yet to try it because I smelled it and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can, if I can drink this, you know? So I have that as well. Just a lot of things, just a lot of things. And Instagram, Facebook, social media, they know me because now I'm interested in that whole yoga burn challenge. It it keeps showing up in my feed, this thing about yoga. And I was like, maybe yoga is what I need to do. It's less low impact. It'll help me stretch yoga. So if you're like me, you're already thinking, what for 2020 can you do in terms of goals, setting goals. I set goals. I never reach them. That's my problem. I set them and it costs me money is, is what the problem is. But, you know, at the beginning of this year, how many of you guys remember this? At the very beginning of this year, the very first message that I preached and the word for 2019 was about shoring up our foundations. The word I believe that God gave me was about how we need to go back to the basics. A lot of us had left, uh, you know, daily readings of the Bibles, our quiet times, our regular times of prayer, our um, just, you know, various uh, faith practices, disciplines, um, you know, things like that. And that's what we spoke on. And well, I spoke on. And it was from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. It was about the parable of the wise and foolish builders, about one man who built his house on a rock and another man that built his house on sand, and we know what happens. So this year, that's what we were supposed to do. 
We were supposed to strengthen, to shore up, to fortify our faith, our theology, like have a good foundation for why we believe what we believe so that if someone asks us, we're able to explain it. We're supposed to shore up our spiritual practices and disciplines, like I said, whether it's fasting, whether it's quiet times, whether it's Bible memorizations. And so my question is, how did we do? How did we do? Think, 2019. This was the very first sermon. I believe it was on January 13 that I uh, preached, 2019. And now we're here on the last Sunday. How did we do? I know some of you did actually uh, read through the whole Bible, right? And we did it as a whole church together. It was an app that we used, and we read through the Bible together. I know that some of you did start at, uh, back up with your quiet times, which is something that you had let go for a while. And I know others of you have started a program of Bible memorization. There's an app for everything, okay? And so if you want to memorize scripture, if you want to read through the Bible, if you any of these things, there's an app for it that's really, really helpful. And who does not have a smartphone these days? It's just readily available, really, really close and simple to you. So it's hard to believe that another year has, a year has gone by. And as we remember 2019 and we look forward to 2020, it's good to reflect on our spiritual condition. It's good to kind of gauge and, you know, check the temperature. It's good to, um, you know, reflect and think about our faith journey thus far, however old you are or however when you came to Christ. It's good to check the temperature of our current relationship status with God. You do that with your husbands and your wives and your kids, right, with important relationships. You want to kind of check in and gauge what the temperature is. You want to kind of check in and see what's the status of my relationship with my husband or with my kids or coworkers. You want to check in. So today's scripture, today's scripture and message is intended to encourage and challenge all of us for the new year, for 2020. It's called Finishing the Race. Um, and it's going to come from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I use the NIV. You guys are welcome. Use your Bible apps or actual uh, hard copy Bibles if you have them to read from your own version. But NIV, we'll read three verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, the author of Hebrews here, he's writing to the early Christians. Right, and these early Christians—they're facing persecution. You know, it's a rough time for them. They're facing um, just difficulties from those around them at that time. Uh, Roman government. Um, their faith is taking a hit because they're they're starting to buckle under the weight of persecution, under the weight of what they thought would be, but it's not. I think that they expected Jesus to come back much sooner. You know, when the Bible talks about no one knows when and it could be at any moment, if you're in that time period, you would have no way of knowing that 2,000 years later we're still waiting, right? And so I think that they thought that, oh, this is going to be a short sprint. 
It's not going to be a marathon of thousands of years. It's going to be a short sprint. So Jesus is going to come back. You know, we saw him go up. He's going to come back. And, you know, this worldly struggles and difficulties and trials will be over. And so I think that they were really struggling when each day passes and Jesus has not come back. It's really difficult. And they needed to hear this extra encouragement to survive this long-distance journey that they are on. And more and more, they're realizing it's not going to be just a short sprint, but it's going to be a long spiritual run. And this is true for many of us today. If you know Jesus, then you're a runner. All of us, you are a runner, whether you know it or not. You began the race the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So we're all in a race together, and we are all running together. And in this race, speed is not the critical factor. Speed is not what's important, thank goodness. Um, What is important is endurance. Did I ever tell you how in high school I ran track? I think I told you the story. I signed up um, to run... Um, it was a indoor track, and it, I originally was supposed to run the um, the eight hundred, not the eight hundred. What is the? Um, yes, yes. I only had to run once, I think, around the track. Or so. It, but anyway, the, after the coach saw me run uh, after the first few uh, tra- trials and practices, he told me, "Mimi, you don't have speed." But you might have endurance. So he moved me to the cross-country team <laughs> because I was like, oh, yeah. Because for every, like, you know, three or four strides I took, the really tall, you know, guys, they would take one stride. And I was like, and they would take one stride for every, you know, two or three that I took. So I got moved. And so, yes, speed is not critical, thank goodness. It is the endurance. It is the cross-country. And what is paramount Paramount is finishing. That is the most important thing. It's like the movie Cool Runnings where, you know, the, the bobsled capsizes, and what do they do? They get up and they carry that 1,000-pound piece of metal bobsled and they actually walk and carry it. It's like in any race. You, you see these feel-good um, things on Facebook or in the news about Boston Marathon and different things. Someone collapses, but people come around and help, you know, carry them or walk with them across the finish line. It's about finishing. You don't want to leave anyone behind. It's about finishing the race, and that is the most important thing. And so today's text, I think, uh, lends itself to give three suggestions or three words of advice to help us run the race faithfully to help us finish, so that we, along with the Apostle Paul, that we're able to say this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. How many of you want to be able to say that? I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Because we know many friends, family, people, neighbors, we know, you know, many who have not finished the race and who have fallen away for one reason or another. And so the first one, three suggestions for running the race faithfully that I want to share with you is to be inspired by those who have gone before. It talks about this great cloud of witnesses, right? To be inspired by those who have gone before. 
We have to remember that we are surrounded and that we have people. We have heroes of faith. We've got uh, mentors. We've got people from the Bible. We've got different ones that we can see and hold up as an example. Notice that chapter 12 begins with the words, therefore. If you go back and uh, read, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off. When you see the word therefore, that means it's a continuation of something that happened before. So if you have your Bibles, look at chapter 11. Chapter 11 is known for this great list, the Hall of Fame, great list of people from the Old Testament who have been found faithful and who were commended for their faith. Chapter 11, kind of peruse, you know, quickly look if you look on your Bible apps. Chapter 11, the great Hall of Fame of all the faithful ones. And if you look at that, for instance, there's Noah. Right? Look at Noah. He's mentioned in verse 7 of chapter 11. Noah spent 120 years building that ark. Now, I admit that patience is not one of my strong virtues. You all know all my stories about driving. Patience is just not one of my strong virtues. Um, and I know many of you can sympathize with me on that. But the next time you hear yourself complaining to God about you know, something that's not not happening fast enough, you know, if you're complaining, Lord, why is it taking so long? Whether it's, I don't know, whether it's about getting married, whether it's having a child, whether it's getting that promotion, Lord, why is it taking so long? When you're complaining and thinking about that, think of Noah here, 120 years. And you can hear Noah, he's saying this, so how long is it that you've been waiting? It took me 120 years to build that ark and to wait upon God to deliver the judgment that he promised was coming, right? And it was never easy. It was never easy. People thought I was crazy. People laughed at me. They ridiculed me. But when the floods came, that, and that ark became the vehicle of our salvation. So you too need to keep trusting and obeying while you wait. That's the thing, to keep trusting and obeying while you wait. Think of Noah. Look at Noah who went before us. And then Abraham. Everybody knows Abraham. He was called from his home in the Ur of Chaldees to a place that God would lead him, who also in his old age was told that he and his old wife, Sarah, were going to be able to give birth and to have a son who was then told to take this precious promised gift, this promised son, to the mountaintop and to offer him as a human sacrifice. This Abraham, this Abraham obeyed and he passed every test, every test of faith. So next time you're feeling discouraged and you feel like God's testing you beyond what you can bear and that things are unfair, think of Abraham saying, when you follow God, the world will probably think that you're crazy because God's ways are not their ways. Things don't make sense for the people of this world. If we call ourselves Christians and we act a certain way, say, speak, do uh, certain things that are not in line with the majority of this world, people are going to think that we're crazy, right? But just remember, do not compromise with this world. We need to be obedient and faithful. Or look at verse 22. Who who else do we have? Verse 22 of chapter 11, we find Joseph. 
And this is a, a picture of Joseph uh, being reconciled with his brothers. As you know, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Who does that? You think you have issues with your siblings? He got sold. Like they sold him off. Think about that. Who does that? By his own brothers. And then in Egypt, it just goes from bad to worse. What happens? He gets falsely accused and he gets thrown in jail. Now, I mean, he's at rock bottom here. He is in jail. But even in these circumstances, even now, Joseph remained true to God. And then, as you know, later, the tables get turned, and he becomes this very, very uh, powerful prime minister of Egypt, basically. And he controls everything around him, second in command. He controls all things. He's very, very powerful. And yet, even when he is on top, Joseph stays faithful to God. You can imagine that when you're at rock bottom, you're going to call out to God and, you know, you're alone, you're afraid, uh, you feel forsaken, and you're going to cry out to God. But also, even when Joseph was on top, he ruled everything, he still remained faithful to God. So whether you're on top of the world or in the pit of the miry clay or in a bad place now, Joseph will say to you, Make sure you remain faithful. Whether at the, remember I preached about mountaintop experiences? Whether you're all the way up on the mountaintops or all the way down in the valleys, make sure to remain faithful. And the list of witnesses goes on and on. In Hebrews 11.32 it says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about the countless others, about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, and on and on and on and on. I don't even have time to tell you about all the heroes, about all the faithful ones. The list just goes on. These witnesses don't just have to be from the Bible either. We've got other ones. We've got people that throughout history that even the secular people know of, people who've never read the Bible ever. Eric Little, right? This is Pastor Q's all-time absolute favorite, favorite uh, movie, Chariots of Fire. If you have never watched the movie, just know that your lead pastor has watched it like a gazillion times, and you should, 68 times. You count? 68 times he's watched this. So you guys, this is the first thing you need to do in 2020 is to get your hands on a copy of The Chariots of Fire. If you don't know, he's an Olympic athlete. He was born in China to uh, missionaries. He's Scottish, and he is a Scottish athlete. He was born in China, and also, sadly, he died in China. He was in an intern camp during the World War II. The Japanese had him, and he died of a brain tumor in China as well. But between birth and death, he was an Olympic athlete. He went to um, Paris, gold medalist, 1924, in France, and he won um, a gold medal in running. And he ran for God. He was just faithful. You've got to read his biography or watch the movie. Just amazing. He even gave up his best event. I think the 400 was his best event, right? It was the 100 meter, but he won the 400. Yes. So the 100 meter was his best event, but he found out that the final event was going to happen on a Sunday. And he considered Sunday to be his Sabbath. And he wasn't going to work. He wasn't going to run on the Sabbath. So he withdrew from his best event. He was like seated number one. That was the one he was supposed to win. And he withdrew. And then he wasn't as good at the other ones. I think the 200 and the 400, but he meddled in the 400. So just amazing. Everyone knows Mother Teresa, right? Mother Teresa, another hero, heroine of our faith, right? 
She's amazing. People know her. People who know nothing about the Bible, know nothing about, you know, the God, Jehovah that we worship, know Mother Teresa. And she is just, and the reason why she does what she does is because of her faith. She's a nun, not just because she's just a good person, but because of her faith, because Jesus is everything to her. Jim Elliott, another one. He was on the cover of Time magazine. It was a, it was such a huge, huge deal. Um, 1956, I believe, right? In Ecuador. 1956 in Ecuador. He and some others, they were very young, uh, guys, good looking, Caucasian, American. You know, they went to Ecuador and they got killed by the native people there. You know, and just his story is absolutely amazing as well. And it was on like the cover of Time magazine saying, you know, um, what a waste, basically, was what the news article was saying. What a waste. Why do these crazy Christians keep doing this, walking into, you know, suicide? So Jim Elliott, another really, really big name. So, so many others. The thing that they all have in common is that they're not quitters. They're not quitters. They ran their race and they finished. They are not quitters. They faithfully ran and they finished. They arrived at the finish line. We need to be inspired by those who have gone before us. But also, let me, let me say this or suggest this, that we may be the inspiration for someone else. So we are inspired by these people and maybe uh, other people. Like, I'm so inspired by my mom. I talk about her often in my sermons. She is just a, a pillar, a rock of faith, her prayer life, just everything. Me being a woman, uh, minister, pastor, she has just always been, you know, my foundation in a lot of ways. Um, but think for a moment. We have these heroines and heroes of faith, people that we admire and look up to and are inspired by, but realize that we may be the inspiration for others, and we might not even realize it. You might not even recognize it. Someone may be watching us, and if we stumble or quit, then they too may be discouraged. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe in the workplace, people know that you're a Christian, you know, maybe because you have like a Jesus picture on your you know, cubicle or something. I don't know. Or you're the one that always sends those, you know, mass emails about, you know, whatever. But maybe people in your workplace happen to know you're Christian and they don't say anything to you outright about it. Or they may even give you a, a hard time about it, but secretly they're watching you, secretly kind of seeing how you work, how you, uh, you know, interpersonal relationship. You don't know. They may be inspired by you in different ways in your workplace, in your communities that you don't even realize. And when we stumble or quit running the race, they may be discouraged. They may be like, yeah, that's another Christian. Like we hear about all these, you know, uh, TV big name pastors that fall, you know, scandal and things like that. We're like, yep, there goes another one, another well-known pastor, another scandal. Kind of we get jaded. And so think about it. Who? Maybe your own children, grandchildren, neighbors. People may be looking at us when watching us. And if we stumble or quit, they will be discouraged. Secondly, so the first was to be inspired by those who have gone before. And second, be prepared for the struggles that will come. Like I said, in this first century, they were thinking that it was not going to be a long, long marathon. They thought it was going to be a short sprint. Jesus would be coming back soon. We need to be prepared for the struggles that will come, right? And 
he gives he gives us clear instructions here. If you read verse one again, it says, "Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles." Right? These are pretty specific instructions. The idea of the text here of throwing off it means to cut loose. It means to shake it off, to ditch, to drop it. You know, it means to cast off, leave it behind, cut it out, lay it aside, kiss it goodbye. Any obstacle. Or impediment that would hinder your running, and this includes any sin that has entangled you. You know, you cannot run if you're carrying a heavy burden. You know, even in the first uh, Olympics, you know, uh, I don't know if this is true, but didn't they run naked or something? Because you know, people shave their bodies because even uh, hair on your body when you're swimming or something it shaves like a half of a millisecond. Second off of your swim time or your run time, they wear those runner tights and things like that. You know, because every second is so precious, right? They want to do everything they can to run this race well, and they don't want to be hindered even by your own body hair. You know, things like that. And so, think about sin that entangles, things that you're carrying, heavy burdens that you shouldn't be. What is it that you need to throw off? Don't take it into 2020. Leave it at the door at 2019. What is it that you need to throw off for 2020? And specifically, what are these things? Well, you need to decide for yourself. I, I can't tell you. You need to decide for yourself. It might be a previous relationship that you need to throw off, kick to the curb. It might be a current one that's hindering you for whatever reason—a current relationship, some toxic relationship with a friend or significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be some material possessions that are hindering your witness for Christ. Material possessions that's distracting you in some way from serving uh, from serving God, or maybe you need to get rid of some habits that may, in and of itself, it's not a sinful habit. It's not evil. Whatever you may be doing, you know, it, in and of itself, it may not be sinful or or considered bad or evil. But whatever it is, maybe it's so time consuming and so distracting that you can't focus on Jesus. So you know, oh, I'm gonna throw my husband out there. Who loves fishing? You all know he loves fishing, and he pretty much goes every weekend, right? But he knows church comes first. If we have a worship service or we have some event, he's not going fishing. If it came to the point where fishing was going to hinder him or distract him to the point where he's not able to tithe because he's using that money to buy himself a boat, or he's not able to come to church because he's so tired from fishing Saturday night till you know really late, or you know he's up fishing, you know, making lures and baits and whatever it is he does in his man cave, you know, if he's doing all that and he's so tired that he can't come to church or he can't uh, fellowship with other believers and things like that, then maybe that's something that he needs to cut off or that he needs to let go of in the new year. And those are the reasons that you might need to let go of it. This John Wilbur Chapman, he's a very well-known Presbyterian evangelist in the late 19th century. Uh, 1859 to 1918, and he said this, anything that dims my vision of Christ or takes away my taste for Bible study or cramps my prayer life or makes Christian work difficult is wrong for me. And I must, as a Christian, turn away from it. Man, that's, that's, wow, right? It's convicting. 
you know? And y'all might be thinking, well, you know, he's a minister. <laughs> he's an evangelist. That's what he does. That's like his, you know, um, occupation or that's his job or that's who he is. We're all Christians. He didn't say, you know, and I must as a pastor. I must as an evangelist. You know, no, he said, I must as a Christian. Simply put, we are all Christians here to turn away from what it is that may be hindering you. So is there something or someone slowing you down in your race? Are you trying to run with extra weight on? Are you dragging something behind you? Something that's cramping your Christian lifestyle? If so, this is the time to get rid of it. Don't take it into 2020 and cut yourself free. How many of you guys have seen this movie? Who has not seen the mission? Okay, even before Chariots of Fire, this is number one. You put this on your must-watch list for 2020. This movie, um, The Mission, uh, it came out in 1986. It's got Jeremy Irons and Robert De Niro. It's amazing. This is a scene that I keep thinking about when I'm thinking of cutting off, so to be free, things that's dragging you back. For those of you who have seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about, this scene, right? So where Robert De Niro, he's trying to climb the the Iguazu Falls, but he's, as penance, he's lugging behind him. You can see in the uh, river, the upper right, you know, he's got this big load and he's carrying it. He actually even has it on him while he's scaling the cliffs and climbing up, you know, the side of the, you see it on the bottom right corner, and he's still got a rope and tied to him, and he keeps sliding back. It's a struggle. He's crazy. He's trying to climb and carry this load, and then finally, Jerry Myers just like chops it away, you know, and just like, let it go. And then, you know, you're so much freer and you can, you know, climb better. So this is the scene I'm thinking about is Definitely watch this movie, okay? But it's just incredible. It's powerful. I believe it is rated R, so viewer discretion advised. It's not for children. There's some really graphic scenes of the um, Native people and um, some brief nudity because of the Native people. They're walking around, running around with spears, and they're nude. But, um, yeah, so watch this for sure. But this is the picture that I get of, are you carrying into 2020 baggage? that you don't have to and that you can cut it off. Another clear instruction given in this verse tells us to run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. It says, and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. And another word for perseverance is endurance, right? Some translations will say. And that means the steady determination to keep going. It's for us to be able to say, I'm going to keep going. It means continuing when everything in you wants to slow down or stop. Right? And still being able to continue, still being able to go. The third thing is be focused, fixing your eyes on Jesus, to focus our attention on Jesus. This is the final advice, the third one, the third suggestion in today's text. And we must, verse 2, Fix, fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, the perfecter, different translations will say, of our faith. Jesus was opposed. He was persecuted. People ridiculed him. And yet he never wavered from his set course, from his goal, which was what? Crucifixion. His goal, his end, was to bring salvation 
to all of us. And he ran the race, and he finished. So we're told that when we get weary and tired, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus for our sake. And he endured the cross. He endured shame. He endured ridicule. When things are too tough for us and we feel like giving up and stop running the race, we fix our eyes on Jesus. And then how can you then not be strengthened in knowing that he went before us, what he endured for us, for our sake? And then how can you not then gain a little bit more energy to make it through another day and not give up? In the movie A League of Their Own, which is another really good movie with Tom Hanks and Gina Davis, uh, A League of Their Own, there's a scene where Tom Hanks is the coach. Gina Davis is, um, is a really, she's the star uh, baseball player for women's baseball. And there's a scene where she quits. She decides to go back to the Midwest with her husband and she quits baseball. And her reason for quitting is this. She tells Tom Hanks, it just got too hard. And what does Tom Hanks say? The character, the coach. He says to her, he says something like this. I don't know if it's a direct quote. It says, it's the hard that makes it great. If it was easy, then everyone would do it. Women's baseball, that's difficult. Not everyone can do it. But he said, it's the hard that makes it great. If it was easy, then everyone would do it. I believe that we all need to hear these words this afternoon or this morning. So often in running the race, we get tired and we get discouraged and we just want to quit. So as you look back on 2019, this is a question for you. Ask yourselves, how well am I running the race? How well did I do in 2019? How well am I running right now? Did you encounter some detours and some unforeseen obstacles along the way? Did you lose financially? Did you lose in some sort of uh, your love relationship? Did you lose uh, maybe physically to death or maybe you had to move away or maybe you had to give up certain relationships? Did you stumble and fall, but then you picked yourself right back up? Or, in the analogy of running the race, did you linger too long at the water station, and are you still there? So you haven't quit the race yet, you're not counted out, but you are sidetracked at the water station. You're hanging, chit-chatting with the Red Cross workers there, giving you the water, you're just kind of chilling and hanging out, and you're not moving forward in your Christian life. You feel like, I just need a breather. I just, you know, this is the year where I just need to drink my water before I regroup and start running again. And maybe some of you are hitting the wall. Runners talk about, yeah, I'm not a runner, so I don't know, but runners talk about hitting the wall. When they get halfway through a marathon, you hit that wall. That's when you say, OMG, I've come all this way. I've got another, you know, same amount to go. And you feel like, I'm done. I can't. I can't. It, oh, man, I'm hurting from coming this far, and I've got exactly that much further to go. You're at the halfway point, and you say, I'm done, right? Are you hitting the wall? Wherever you are currently in your spiritual, in your spiritual journal, remember to keep your eyes focused on Jesus so that you will not, and I'll conclude with this, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come before you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this message of finishing the race. 
Father, we understand that as Christians, we are all in it. We're all in it, God, to run this race and to finish well, to finish strong. Father, that we know, Lord, along the way there are bumps and detours and obstacles and things that will distract us. But, Father, we ask that you would give us strength through those times, that you would bring at our side others who are running alongside with us, God, even as we look out to those, God, who are cheering us on. God, those who have gone before us, those from the Bible, those from our heroes and heroines of faith who are no longer with us, God, we see the great cloud of witness cheering us on. And then we see at the end Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, clapping welcoming us home. So, Father, as we look around even now here on the last Sunday of 2019, we look around at our brothers and sisters, at our family that we call Hope Church, and we ask, God, that you would help us to finish together, that not a single one of us would be left behind, not a single one of us would quit, but, Lord, that we would finish all together well. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.